1: Thanksgiving is over. Can I get an amen? Like, I'm thankful for, for Thanksgiving. It was great. But the problem with Thanksgiving this year is that the quarantine 15, I just had finally been on my way on the downslope from that. Like, I'm halfway getting them 15 pounds off. And then the T day 20 for 20 hits, uh, which is what I like to call the Thanksgiving uh, 20 pounds for 20 more weeks, right? Uh, so I'm good until summertime, which I probably won't get that body. If we go into quarantine again, like, I'm just done. I'm finished. There's no way I can handle another 15 pounds. I, I'm guaranteed that I'll just be old and fat for the rest of my life. It's how it's going to go. Uh, but yet more importantly, I'm excited for Christmas, right? I love Christmas time. Christmas is awesome. Yes. Can I get an amen for Christmas? I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love the sounds. I love Christmas traditions. I love going and seeing things. I love trees. I love going and cutting down my own Christmas tree. I love Christmas. Uh, In fact, uh, at our house, we, we get ready for Christmas as what some might say early. Okay, you might consider it early, but we like to get our tree and be decorated by the first uh, weekend in November. So we're good and ready and we're decorated for Christmas for another two and a half months. So, uh, however, I'm going to be honest, this year we picked up our tree kind of late. We got it last weekend, which was the weekend before Thanksgiving, and I was surprised when we showed up at the Christmas tree place, because usually there's no one there, Uh, and we pull up into the parking lot and see many families picking out their Christmas trees, and I was like, what's going on here? We never see people here, which in return, my wife so graciously reminded me it's because of how late we are picking up our tree. I'm like, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. These people shouldn't even be here. We celebrate early. Get out of our Christmas tree place here, but no, it was... It was good, but it's been difficult, though, for me this year to get into the holiday spirit. I don't know uh, if it's just me. We added a baby in our household. We had a baby in the middle of October, uh, so it could have been that. I personally feel like we've been having a really good uh, adjustment going from two kids to three kids. Um, I mean, I didn't do much of the work. My wife did most of it, uh, but I still, I'm, I felt that we were in good standings right here, so I don't know if it's that uh, or what? Maybe it's just, if I could be honest with you, a good old-fashioned classic of the 2020s. Am I right? Am I right? Like 2020 has been a year, right? Can, it's been out of control. Uh, and if I'm being honest, let me, let me because I, I think that maybe you guys, obviously I know we're living in it right now. We're in 2020 and things continue uh, to happen But if you allow me to take you through uh, 2020, what I like to call the 2020 experience real quick, just to kind of remind you, a refresher of everything that's gone on uh, this year. Now, it's not everything, uh, but it's some stuff. So if you guys would allow me, please keep your hands and feet inside the experience at all times for your safety and protection. Trust me. So I'm going to take it from the top. There's the Australian wildfires. There's the impeachment trials with Donald Trump. There are tensions with Iran because we assassinated uh, one of their important leaders, a.k.a. Is this the beginning of World War III? Like when our grandkids or great-grandkids, for some of us, read about how World War III started, is it going to be one of the first things uh, in, the, in the history book? Then we have the death of Kobe. Of all people, come on, are you serious? This is just January, guys. Don't forget, this is just January. Then we head into February. The Eagles didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Therefore, they didn't win the Super Bowl. And that continues today. Like every, Who is not frustrated? What is going on right now? <laughs> They got a case of the 2020s. Come on, guys, get it together. Then we had March. And obviously, everyone remembers what happened in March, right? We had COVID-19 worldwide pandemic, and America shuts down, okay? Then we move on. We had the death of George Floyd, which brought on riots and violence uh, and protests, peaceful and non-peaceful, right? Then we move on. We had, everyone, anyone remember the murder hornets? right? Murder hornets, which we can all agree that we skipped that level of 2020 because me personally, I never seen a murder hornet. Did you? Did you? No. So thank goodness we skipped the murder hornets here in America. Then there was the Beirut explosion where thousands of people died. No one's seen that coming. And then of all people in 2020 to pass, we lose Chadwick Boseman, aka the Black Panther. Come on. Really? 2020? Then there's California wildfires that are destroying California for the entire year, right? We didn't start the fire, did we? I don't know, but it's not going out and it's out of control. And then not related, the death of Eddie Van Halen, a rock superstar, 2020, come on. How much more are you gonna do? This, is, this isn't even everything. This is just a little bit, but to finish it off because we don't have all day, I wanna end with the presidential election in itself. What the heck? I mean, no, seriously, like Democrat, Republican, I don't care what you are, we can all agree, like there's something weird going on there, right? No, just me? Whatever. All right, just me. So to be heading into this holiday season, I was like, you know what we need? We need Christmas this year. We need it. We need some good old-fashioned holiday cheer, right? We need Elf and we need the Grinch, whichever one you like. We need Daddy's home too. Can I get it? Amen. The greatest Christmas movie of all time. Let's finish this awful year, 2020, with some good old-fashioned red and green classic joy. And then last week, this came across my news feed with what 2020 has in store for us this Christmas. You know what that is? This is a staple of Christmas history. This is the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree in 2020. If you don't know what this is, this is the biggest Christmas tree like in the world, okay? And I'm gonna, let me take you back to 1990 when Christmas was Christmas, right? Let's go to the 90s, and I'm going to show you what it's supposed to look like. Look at that, right? You see the silhouette? That's Kevin McAllister. He's lost, but he's finding hope and joy in that Christmas tree. This is the Christmas tree that we should have, and this is the Christmas tree 2020 gives us. I was done. I was like, I'm done. I can't. Not anymore. Not up in here. Christmas, man, even without 2020, let's be honest, it can be tough, right? Christmas is tough. Holiday seasons are tough, but it's not supposed to be like that, right? Christmas is a time of celebration. Christmas is a time of joy. It's a time where we're supposed to get together with your family. It's a time of giving, and it's a time of receiving. And at the core of Christmas itself, it's a time of hope. Maybe you're like me this season, and, and you feel the chaos and the craziness that came along with, with 2020, which has been awful. I've, I've seen memes where the angels have shoved everything that was supposed to happen this decade into 2020, and right now in heaven somewhere, there are angels that are in big trouble, right? And, but maybe what we need is the hope that is in Christ that is associated with Christmas. So I want to take a look at a verse in the Bible, uh, and it's a verse that I love because I feel like this depicts the Christmas story, uh, and it shows the hope of Christ that's associated with Christmas. This, this is the origin of Christmas. This is, the, this is Christmas in the making right here. So uh, we're going to take a look at the book of Isaiah in the Bible. If you're following along, or you're in the notes, or uh, you have the Bible app open, or maybe you have a, a paper Bible, uh, we're going to go to Isaiah 9-6. Prince of Peace. So for the next few weeks, we're going to break down these descriptive names that Isaiah gave uh, to describe the coming Savior, who's going to be Jesus Christ. Uh, And before we do that, though, uh, as we break down wonderful counselor, I just want to give a little background uh, of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was written by a prophet uh, whose name is Isaiah, and Isaiah was basically uh, a pastor. That's what a prophet was. They preached the word of God. They heard from God, and then they preached it uh, to the people. And the people. Right now in, in this time of Israel, uh, we're feeling oppressed because of these Assyrians because they're actually living in a time where it was the decline of Israel. Uh, Israel was surrounded by uh, Assyrians, uh, and there's a lot of oppression because of them. They were torturing them. Uh, they were uh, killing them, uh, and they were backing, basically backing them up into the wall. And it forced the people of Israel... Uh, to turn their backs on God at that point in time. Uh, So Isaiah uh, wrote this uh, nearly 800 years before Jesus uh, was even born because God gave him these words to write. I feel like to give hope in this time to spur those people on, to let them know that there's going to be a day where their savior comes. And I think that God used Isaiah and gave him these words to say at that point in time, because that's what the people of Israel needed to hear at that point in time. They needed to know that they were going to have a mighty God come and rescue them. They're going to have an everlasting father who's there for them. They're going to have a prince of peace to bestow peace upon them. And whether they thought that they needed it or not, they were going to need a wonderful counselor. So when I was young, uh, My parents got a divorce. I think I was around like 11 years old, which is pretty standard, you know, typical in in, uh, today's society. It's not a big deal. And I didn't understand at the time, um, you know, what that means or the effects that divorce can have uh, on a a child. So, uh, you know, I had anger issues and, uh, you know, loud outbursts and and things like that. And after a few phone calls to my mom from uh, some teachers, uh, a principal, maybe some law enforcement officers, and just a couple concerns citizens, uh, everyone agreed that maybe I should go see a counselor. Uh, So we started to go seeing a counselor, which was bad for my mom at the time because she was a mother of three and she was single, obviously, at that point in time. And she raised me, uh, who was a butthead, and my brother and sister uh, on waitress wages. So if you're a a waitress or a server, thank you, amen, for what you do. But you know how tough that that could probably be. Uh, So my mom would take me to go see this counselor and I thought that it was ridiculous and there's no point uh, in going, actually. And I would sit down and I would be dumb. I would say the most ridiculous stuff. I would be like... Last night, I formed my blankets in the shape of a circle so it can be a nest for Satan or stupid stuff like that. Just dumb, dumb. No, I'm serious. Like It was just straight up dumb. Uh, I, I was really into Marilyn Manson at the time, I'll be honest. And it, you know, and she would mark off on her, you know, she'd listen, mark off on her paper. Then she'd bring my mom in. She'd give my mom some steps to do. Uh, she prescribed some medicine. This is what you should do. And we'd be on our way. And my mom's a no bull crap kind of person. And she was getting fed up. One day we walked out of there. She's like, I'm just done. I'm done. This is stupid. It's pointless. You don't take it serious. Nothing's even happening. It's just a waste of my money. And honestly, that's what I thought counseling was. I remember going there. I'm like, you don't know me. You don't know nothing. You know, are you divorced? Do you have kids that are divorced? Were your parents divorced? You know, nothing about me. You just write in your book and then you go, this is textbook this and textbook that. And you don't know me. And then you just tell my mom what to do, which pretty much was just to coddle me and pat me on the butt. So really the only reasons to go there was A, I got to get patted on the butt and B, I got to leave school early, which was pretty cool about that. Uh, but there's no point in going there. she had no idea who I was. Then fast forward, I started growing up in life and I started, I didn't go to college, but I had friends who went to college and I partied with my friends who were going to school to guess what? Be a Counselor, that's right. I would drink and do drugs with possibly your counselor. Now I'm not even joking. And then, then, then people became counselors, and I became with friends who friends who were counselors at the time, and I would watch their lives be, you know, awful, and their marriages be awful. And I'm like, how are you counseling someone? How do you do that? Because you just read a book and you got a piece of paper that says you're a counselor. So in my lifetime of trying to, you know, in my lifetime, a counselor is just pointless. What's the use of going there? If you're a counselor, I'm sorry, right now, it's just part of the. Service. Uh, But just let me get to the end, trust me. But so in preparing for this message, I wanted to to do some research because I had to understand before preaching this why God told Isaiah to use the word wonderful counselor in describing Jesus. In my in my research, I found actually that these two words, which clearly are English words, "wonderful" and "counselor," uh, come from two Hebrew words, which are Pele, Yoaz, and I think that that's right. And i really wanted to do like a Pele, you know, do a soccer joke here, but I'm gonna be honest, I know nothing about soccer. I only know that Pele is a good soccer player because I watched kicking and screaming with Will Ferrell, which is hilarious, by the way. And you have to watch that if you never did, but it's the only reason uh, why I know that. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a real football fan. Like ground pounding in your face, body slamming football, baby. <laughs> so I need counseling. <laughs> no, but, but Pele Yoas, that's the word, okay? And the word Pele, wonderful, what, what it actually means is beyond comprehension, beyond understanding. It's uncomprehensible, right? So it's not like we think when we say the word wonderful, we'll be like, well, that's lovely and grand and so glorious now what it means is like, I can't even think about that. Like the other day, I'm trying to have a conversation with my three and a half year old because he asked me, what is Africa? And I was like, well, it's a country and it's on the other side of the ocean. So like when we go to the beach and you look at the water, right? He's like, yeah, I'm like way far where you can't see. There's other countries. There's England and and Africa. And his mind couldn't comprehend it because it It, can't. It makes no sense to him. What a continent. I'm saying it's a continent, son. And he was like, you don't know. He can't comprehend. He can't wrap his mind around it. And that's what Jesus, Jesus did this in the gospels. Jesus is uncomprehend. I mean, even from his birth, it doesn't make sense. It's uncomprehendable. He was born from someone who had done nothing to conceive a child, right? Could you imagine someone coming to you today right now? Yeah, I'm having a baby. I I did nothing for conception. God put him in there, right? You're going to be like, you need counseling, lady, Right? (laughs) It doesn't make sense. It's, it, it, it's almost crazy to us because we can't comprehend it. And, and the things that, that Jesus uh, showed us, how he was wonderful, uncomprehensible uh, in, in the ways that he performed miracles and healed people. I mean, this is what he did. He would t- rub someone's eyes and touch them and they'd be blind, right? That's not it though. This is the crazy part. He would spit a loogie in someone's eyes and rub it. And I don't mean like, like a loogie. I mean like a baseball pitcher cut in the mouth, like from the gut. Oh right in the eyes, and then rub it and be like, you're healed. That's crazy. Why? What? I don't it doesn't make sense. Why would you have to spit in his eyes, Jesus? I don't know. He had a plan though, right? He raised people from the dead. And I know, you know, if you're EMS, paramedic, medical field, you're like, why well, raise people from the dead. Like, pfft. Clear, right? He raised from the dead. However, the guy that Jesus raised from the dead was dead for three days, okay? Beat that, sucker! right? He was dead for three days. Not only was he dead, he was embalmed and mummified and he brought him from death to life. It doesn't make sense, right? Like, mind blown, right? Jesus taught things that were wonderful, uncomprehendable, right? These things are counterintuitive to what the human mind can understand. He would say things like, blessed are those who mourn because that makes sense, right? How am I blessed if I'm upset and sad and crying? That makes no sense, right? Or he would say, rejoice and be glad. That makes sense. in persecution, what? <laughs> I don't think that was written right. He would say, love your enemies. And he would say, do good to those who hate you, which is exactly what you want to do in here, right? You want nothing more but to hug and kiss the person who hurts you the most, the person who you hate at the office. You just want to go up and give him a hug, right? I mean, it's clear why why Jesus or why Isaiah chose the word wonderful in this way because Jesus was clearly beyond our comprehension the things that, that he said and did. And then the word Yoaz, it actually just, it means counselor. But, but it means wise counselor. So, so uh, Yoaz was used as portraying a wise king like uh, Solomon. Solomon was the wisest king and they called him a counselor is a wise, wise king, um, And Jesus was a wise counselor, is a wise counselor. He doesn't need any testimony about mankind because he knows what is in each and every one of us as a person. He's able to advise people thoroughly because he is qualified in ways that no human counselor is qualified, right? He knows everything about all human nature. He's the creator of life. Jesus always knows what we're going through and he knows the right course of action to take. See, so Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, uh, continued a tradition that I started maybe about six years ago, uh, which is every Black Friday I like to take a trip to uh, Cabela's. So whether it's with friends or my whole family or multiple friends and families, uh, but uh, we took a, a trip, me and multiple families. To Cabela's. Cabela's is in Hamburg, uh, and I live in Bartow, uh, PA, so Bechtelsville, Boyertown. And, and the interesting thing about that is uh, really pretty much the main way to get to Hamburg or Cabela's is to take Route 73 uh, to Route 61, and then that's where Cabela's is. Super easy, right? Problem with that is, and, and the interesting thing is that I grew up all around uh, Berks County uh, and grew up typically on probably about three-quarters of the places that I ever lived was on Route 73, or right off of Route 73, uh, as well as Route 61. So that trip is always ends up being a uh, trip down memory lane, which may be cool, uh, but to be honest, uh, I have a fairly dark past, uh, and on top of this dark past coming out of the day after Thanksgiving, uh, which my dad shows up with a new AR-15, you know, World War III, and this is going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. So now I have stress and anxiety, you know, thinking I got to protect my family on top of that. Like, I got to preach on Sunday. Like, uh, like I, I'm stirred up. And now as I drive down memory lane, uh, I'm remembered of, of the places that I lived in and the positions that, that I've been in and, and, and the people that I've, that I've encountered in that time. And I'm going to be honest. I told you, I have a very... Dark past. And I've done things uh, to people and with people and have been in situations uh, that if you've seen them right now, it could cause you to puke. You definitely would want to stop listening to me and not take anything that I say uh, into consideration at all whatsoever, and you'd lose all respect for me. Uh, in return, I have, I've been in places and I've been hurt by people uh, and things have been done to me that you would think are unforgivable. And, and I've, I've, I've been in houses and places and situations and have been, been around things uh, that if you would look at it, uh, it would make a rated-R movie look PG-13. And I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. Some of you um, who are watching right now, maybe this got shared to you, or maybe you're even sitting here and, and you know me from, from before I met Jesus. Uh, if I have hurt you or if I have put us in a situation that have caused you pain that to this day you still feel hurt from that, uh, I, I want to apologize. I'm sorry. Like I, I never meant to do the things that I had done as a young person because I didn't know the effects that it would have on people as an adult. I never meant for that. Likewise, uh, if, if you're watching this or even if you're in this room and you know that you were a part of 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 hurting me or maybe maybe to this day as you're watching this, you're wondering like, hey, I, w- I wonder whatever happened to him and is he okay and, and, and does he think about these things that, that have been done and does it affect him in his daily life? And, and I just want to tell you, first of all, no, and, and I forgive you. And the reason is because 11 years ago, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I started having a relationship with him and I started learning a lot of things and one of those things that I learned is that God allowed me to go through the situations that I've been through so that he can use them to talk to the people that I get to talk to today so that that he knows that I can understand and feel with the people who are hurting So I can talk and teach and be used by him to lead them. So God allowed these things to happen and it's not your fault. And I learned that there's forgiveness and there's grace in him. And I learned that if I'm going to be upset or mad at someone, basically it's what it's like is me holding a double-bladed knife and squeezing it and thinking that it's hurting you when I'm bleeding to death. I also learned that no matter what's going on, who you are, the person, think about the person that has hurt you the most and know that God loves them just as much as they love you. And as much as, as God feels for the pain that you've endured and encountered and things that you've been through, he feels for them. He feels sorry that they live with uh, the regret and the shame and the things that they have done to you. I learned that, that God loves all of us no matter what. Now, here's the deal. I'm not trying to glorify my previous life and I'm not telling you this so that you think I'm like some cool edgy pastor or whatever, uh, and I for dang sure don't want you to feel sorry for me, by any means. But the reason why I'm telling you this is because if there's any one thing that I've learned in the past 11 years of me following Jesus, it's this: no matter who you are, and no matter where you're from, the truth is is that we all have hurt someone, and we all have been hurt by someone. And we may come from different pasts and we may come from different situations, but I can guarantee you that at the core of everything, we all just about have the same story. I wonder, like right now, as I tell these stories to you, like how much of that is being stirred up inside of you? It makes you think about things. Or how many of you have actually started comparing your situations with mine and wondering, well, what what has happened to him? What has he done to other people? He says that, is this horrible that I would puke? I wonder what it could be because honestly, I've been in this situation and I've been in that situation and this has been done to me and there's no coming back from this. And I wonder today on the coattails of, of Thanksgiving and spending time with family, what your hurts are and what's going on. Like I wonder, uh, because uh, Christmas is coming up, and the holidays always has a knack for for magnifying things. It makes things that look good look amazing or wonderful, and it makes things that look bad seem absolutely awful, and I wonder, where are your hurts, right? We just had Thanksgiving. Did you just spend Thanksgiving with a family member who you know that hurts you and has done something terrible to you? Or maybe are you a bad sibling? Are you a brother or sister that was so awful to your siblings, and you know that you were awful to them, and now you want nothing more but for them to know Jesus and find the freedom, but they want nothing to do with you. They don't want to hear you, right, because they know how you were, and all you want is for them to know Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you were a parent, and growing up as a parent, uh, raising kids. You thought that it was better to possibly uh, work, work, work to provide money to give your kids everything that they want, but you spent no time with them. And now that you know that they want nothing to do with you and they blame you for all of the situations that have happened to them and why their life is so jacked up, they blame it on you. And they might not say it, but they say it in the presence of you by using no words. Because you know that when you spend the holidays with them, there's just an energy in the air and you know that they despise you to be around you. And all you want is to tell them that you're sorry and you love love them. And even if you do that, you don't think that they are still even hearing you or listening to you. Or maybe, maybe you are depressed, right? Maybe your hurt or pain is situational and you're so depressed about everything that's going on in the world right now. And you wake up every day wondering, how are you going to get through this day? And you have no hope that tomorrow is gonna be any better. Maybe some of you guys are stressed with the holidays coming up, or you have anxiety, or maybe maybe I'm just gonna be honest with you, maybe you're stressed about everything that's going on in the world uh, right now. If you're like me, and you end up getting anxiety and fear, which thankfully last week, Uh, Taylor preached on fear, so I got to learn uh, from him in that situation, but I go through being afraid of what's going to happen. My dad coming over yesterday and telling me that World War III is coming had freaked me out. I literally have visions and fears that we will get attacked. We will head into World War III people will come into my house. They will take my kids in front of me. They will kill them, kidnap them, take them for slavery, right? I have visions, of uh, literally awful visions and fears and anxiety in my head, picturing my wife being stolen or raped right in front of me. And while I'm defenseless with nothing to do, and just so you know, I will fight to death. That's a thought in my head. I will fight until I die. They will have to shoot me and kill me. But these are the fears that cause anxiety, that give me hurt based on what's going on in the world today. I don't know what your fears from, or I don't know where your pain or where your hurt is from today, whether it's situational or it's from a person or what's going on. But I don't know if it's emotional. I don't know if it's spiritual. I don't know if it's physical. I don't know if right now, if you're wondering, as I'm stirring up these emotions and I'm talking, you're wondering that the things that you keep pushing down and suppressing, if that's the way to handle it, will they ever go away? Will it ever get better? Will you ever be able to find an answer or a solution or is the answer just to keep shoving it back down until Pastor Ian starts talking about it and makes makes you remember all the awful things that you've done and the ways that you hurt people. I don't know what it is, but if you answered yes to one or more of any of these questions today, then I I have a gift for you. See, I've been going to see a wonderful counselor about every day now for 11 years, and his name is Jesus, and he can heal you And he wants to heal you if you want to be healed. I'll pay for your counseling because it's free. (laughs) I learned learned that there's three things if I'm going to go to this counselor, though. If I'm going to go to the wonderful counselor, if I'm going to go to Jesus, there's three things that I got to do. And the first thing is you got to go talk to him. If you want to be healed from the deepest, darkest pain that you have, you got to go talk to him. Every day, every situation, every thought. I mean, good times, bad times. Uh, If you've been feeling blessed, if you're thankful, you go to him. It doesn't matter. Talk to him every day about everything and anything at all. You can tell him all of the deepest, darkest hurts all the awful pain that that has been caused you and that you've caused, you can cry. Trust me, I have cried many times on this counselor's couch, many times. You can lay it all on the line to him. If there's anyone that you can trust with your deepest, darkest hurts and pains, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And on top of it, it's scientifically proven that if you put your emotions into words that it kicks off and begins the healing process. I read an article that that says that when you're feeling intense feelings, especially fear or aggression or anxiety, what happens is your amygdala, uh, it starts running the show. It's a portion of your brain that handles your fight or flight response. That along with your um, limbic system as a whole, what it does is it, it figures out what is a threat And it devises a response uh, to that threat. So if necessary, uh, anything ever comes back. Again, that information is stored in your memory so that when you recognize it again later, you see it as a threat. So when you get stressed or overwhelmed, this part of the brain can take control and override the more logical thought process. That's me. Is that you in here today? Right? Like I'm pretty sure my amygdala and whatever limbic system, that runs my brain all the time. Like, there's a lot of times there's no logical thought process behind things. But research from UCLA says it suggests that putting your feelings into words, which is a process called effect labeling, can diminish uh, the response of the amygdala when you encounter things that are upsetting to you. And this is how over time you become less stressed about something that bothers you. So, let's say you get into a car accident uh, and you cannot get back into a car if you begin to talk through the issues and the problems and the fears, it actually diminishes the need and the use for the amygdala uh, to kick in, and it allows you to be able to get back into a car carefree and okay. And the Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, which makes this totally biblical, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You gotta go talk to him. But then when you go talk to him, you gotta be brutally honest with him. You gotta be, you gotta be, you have to tell him everything that's going on. There's a story in the Bible uh, about a woman at the well and she goes and visits Jesus and she is like so many other uh, so she's like so many of us where uh, she just simply wants to be loved and accepted. And she feels that if she could just find the right uh, person, her life would have meaning. Unfortunately, this woman, uh, she goes uh, from bad guy to bad guy to bad guy to bad guy until she totally gives up on marriage altogether. Uh, until one day she's living with some guy who's not her husband, and she encounters Jesus at this well and has a very real conversation with Jesus. And what ends up happening is she ends up being brutally honest with him in their conversation. Because at one point he asks her, he says, go and get your husband, to which she responds, I have no husband. So in that moment, she could have lied. She could have said, yeah, my husband's away on business. You know, he's in Bethlehem hanging out with his boys. Uh, He's not around. But she was brutally honest with Jesus. And because of that, Jesus was able to say, you're right. In fact, you don't have a husband, you had five husbands, and the guy that you're living with now is also not your husband. How would he know that? Right? How, how would he know that? So in order for Jesus to reveal who he was to this, to this girl, she had to be brutally honest with him. In Psalms 55:22, the Bible says, "Cast your cares on the Lord." and he will sustain you and he will never let the righteous be shaken. You gotta talk to him and you gotta be brutally honest. The next thing you gotta do is you gotta go listen to him, man. You have to listen when he speaks to you. In fact, God actually commands it. In Matthew 17, five, God's audible voice rings out of the sky to the people who are on this mountain and says, this is my son who I am well pleased. Listen to him. So besides the fact that God commands it, why should we listen to what God says? Did you ever wonder how people can become so bad? Did you ever wonder how fathers and mothers can, can give birth to children and mistreat them? Do you ever wonder how can a father, how can a father sexually assault his infant daughter? How? You don't even want to think about it because you can't even imagine it, but it happens more so than we think. Do you ever wonder what causes a father to become so emotionally sick that they can do this to, the, to any child, let alone their own child? Did you ever wonder why people become dropouts in life and, and why they walk away from relationships? Did you ever wonder why people become addicts or alcoholics or prostitutes? Why do people get lured into cults? Why do people ruin their lives and the lives of others around them? Do they grow up wanting to do that? Do they grow up saying, you know what I want to do? I want to ruin people's lives when I get older. No. No, I think that the answer goes back to the problem of inherent sin. It's sin that is inherited. See, I believe that when people do not listen to the word of the Lord, it affects families which in turn affects societies, which in turn affects nations, which in turn affects the world as a whole, okay? And I believe that the source of all of our problems and issues is traced back to people not listening to the word of God. And I know that might sound silly to you, but let me ask you a question. Where was sin originated? Why was it originated? Because Adam and Eve did not what? They did not listen to the voice of God. They didn't listen. And because of that, all the future generations are affected by it. It's inherent sin. And maybe you're wondering okay, well, I see it, man. This is serious. I will listen. I'll listen to the Lord. But I'm going to be honest with you I don't know what the heck that means. How, How do I listen? To the Lord. Do, do, do I look for a sign? Do, do I listen for screeching tires when I ask the Lord? Do you think I should leave the person that I'm with? Skirt? Oh, yes. No, you laugh. It sounds ridiculous. But I've talked to someone once before that they said they had gotten confirmation from the Lord that they should be with the person that they're with. Because when they asked God about it, they found a smudge of dog poop on the bottom of their shoe in the shape of a cross. I'm not lying. It's easier than that, guys. It's way easier than that. It's easy when you read or when you pray, when you go to Jesus and you pray and you talk to him, when you're done, you go to your Bible and you open it up. And the funny thing is, is the Lord will speak to you. It's his words. God ministers through his word in the Bible. It's miraculously crazy that when you talk to the Lord about something, he reveals it to you when you read His in his words and he gives you exactly what you need to hear in that time and moment after you went and you talked to him. Or something else that's really cool that he does is you might read the Bible one morning, uh, being totally okay, and then you go throughout your day, bam, you hit a wall, something bad happens, but then you're reminded. You're reminded of what God told you that day when you read your devotionals in the Bible and it gets you through your day because God was preparing you for that to happen. Happen. And it's even easier now that there's a there's an app that you go to and you type in whatever you are struggling with and God's word will reveal it to you. And the third thing is, after you talk to him and you're listening is you gotta do what he says. You have to act on God's word if you want it to work. I'll say it like this, if you want healing, right? Obedience is the prescription for your healing. There's a story in the Bible about a rich man. He goes to Jesus and asks him what he has to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus says, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie. Honor your mom and dad and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And dude was like, sweet, I have done these things. Are you serious? Jesus, am I in? Are we good? Is there anything else? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He he was unwilling to obey the words of the wonderful counselor. He was sad. That's what we happens to us. When we're unwilling to obey, we will live sad lives, sad lives that are unfulfilled, that are unvictorious, that quite frankly, just break God's heart because He knows what He has for you and the potential that you have. And I don't know, maybe you're stuck right now. Maybe you're stuck in a situation because you won't move past obedience, right? Maybe it's a financial situation. You did bad investments, or COVID's not going good, or maybe you just love to spend money and make it look like you are doing great. And now you're in a position where you are sick and hurting because you got nothing and you're tired of living this lie and God is literally telling you to downsize and be obedient with your finances. But you know that on the side of obedience, it's going to look like you're a liar. But God knows that on the side of the obedience, when you're obedient with your finances, there is blessings. And you can't see it, but He does. Or maybe maybe you're living a lie right now. You're addicted to something you won't tell your spouse, or there's some lie that you won't tell your spouse, and it is tearing you apart on the inside, which in turn is ripping your marriage apart. Which, oddly enough, the funny thing is, is you will not tell your spouse what's going on because you think that it's going to ruin your marriage but your marriage is already getting ruined and you know on the side of obedience the crap will hit the fan and it will be awful but what god knows and sees is that there is restoration that 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 because you are truthful there can be healing in the situation and then god can take what you have done and what's been done to you and he can use that for his goodness and his glory i don't know what it is that that god's telling you to do but i know that there is healing in our obedience because our obedience draws us closer to the lord And as we keep his commands, we understand the reasons why he told us to do it because we can see the outcome of it. So the more and more that we're obedient to God, the more and more that we see his power and his wonder and his love, the more and more we'll begin to see that he will get us through the circumstances and the situations and we'll know that we can act on what he says to do because he's going to be there for us and he'll have trust in us because when we're obedient to him, he'll give us more. The more that we can handle, the more that we show him that we'll be good with what he's given us, the more he will Give us. DL Moody once said that there will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the voice of God. I told you to talk to the counselor and to listen to him and that you gotta do what he says. But it's my bad, man. I never I never gave you the address so you could GPS how to get there. So if I can give you one more gift today before you leave this place, I want to give you the gift of the counselor and how to get there. Can you stand with me and can you close your eyes? And can you bow your heads? That's what I want you to do. Every time that you go to the counselor, this is how you get to him. Heads bowed, eyes closed, maybe on your knees. I want you to picture marble tiles or or columns or maybe the floor is made out of a cloud. I don't know. I want you to picture right now that you're in God's house, however you view that to be. I want you to picture you on your knees. I want you to, to look up. And picture and view however you see his throne to be. And I want you to see him sitting there in all his magnificent glory, however you view him to be. And then next to him is his son, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace who came and died for your sins. I want you to to see him there in all his perfection as you're there with all your imperfections, your hurts, your thoughts, your failures. And every time you come to this counselor, I want you to bring it to him. I want you to bring it all right now, every time. Hear the voice of
0: love that's calling. There's a chair that waits for you. And a friend who understands everything you're going through. you keep standing at a distance In the shadow of your shame But there's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place And bring it all to the table he ain't seen before. For all your sin, all your sorrow, and your sadness, there's a Savior and he calls, bring it all to the table. He can see the way you carry. And the fears that hold your heart. The cross, you've been forgiven. You're accepted as you are. Oh, just bring it all to the table. It's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your trials, all your worries, and your burdens, there's a Savior and he calls. Bring to the table come on in take your place there's no one who's turned away all you sinners all you saints come on in and find your grace come on in take your place there's no one who's turned away all you sinners all you saints come right in and find your grace
1: now here in in Montgomeryville or online, if you're in here today and you want hope and you want peace and you know that you need a wonderful counselor that you can come to to guide you through all the situations in your life, maybe you feel a pull or a tug on your heart right now, I'll ask you to accept Jesus. The Bible says, the Lord says, call to me and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Isaiah forty five twenty two says turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth if you're here today and you want to be saved from your pain from the hurt and you want the healing to begin I'm telling you it begins with a relationship with Jesus with accepting him as your wonderful counselor so if you're here today or in Montgomeryville or online I want you to let us know that that's what you want to do By raising your hand when I tell you to. Or if you're online, do like an emoji, a hand raised emoji. But if that's you today and you would accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I ask you to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand and accept Him. I, I see you back here, over here. I see you in the back to the side. I see you. I see you guys. I see you, another person right here, raising your hand. Welcome, welcome, welcome. There's room at the table. There's healing at the table. Come to the couch, to the foot of Jesus. Let's pray. Let's thank Jesus for everything that he did in this place today. I'm so grateful for everyone who came home today and accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for everything that you've done, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that you are a wonderful counselor, God, and we know that we can always come to you, God, and we can can stop suppressing our our hurt feelings, God, but rather come to you, Lord. Thank you for those who you have brought home today, Lord, who you brought back to your table, back to the kingdom of God. Thank you for securing their eternities with you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done in this place today. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.